I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to The Leaf Report with Canadian Press National Hockey writer Jonas Siegel and the Athletic TO's James Myrtle. Hello, hello, hello. 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 James is introducing the podcast today, which is brought to you as always by Bab Socks. Um, so we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon. This is before the Tampa game. See, I wanted to record it after that game. Yeah, but like we can't, we can't just keep waiting until they clinch. What if they lose the next two That's games? That's true. So we're going to go under the assumption on this podcast that they're going to clinch at some point. I was so gonna, what, yeah, I was going to say, you seem super confident that they're going to make the playoffs and that we don't need to wait for them to clinch because it's going to happen. Well, you look at everything that needs to happen, they would have to basically lose every game. They have to lose every game. Right. They have to. If they get two more points, it's over. Right. So let's 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 just assume Tampa's a bit back. The Tampa game is obviously important, but we don't want to keep delaying this just to wait till they clinch, so we're going to talk about it under the assumption that they have clinched. Oh, man. You're going to, at least fans are going to go clinch? nuts. So what, do you, what the hell do you want to do? Well, I'm just saying that... We can talk about the playoffs, but they haven't clinched yet. Like, okay, so here's this scenario. Like, what if they lose that game to Tampa? Let's say they lose 4 nothing okay. to Tampa on Thursday. There's only two games left. Right. They need two points to clinch, and they have two games left against two of the best teams in the league. What if they lose on Saturday against Pittsburgh? They still need two points to I've, clinch. Listen, I've been in the camp that they're not in until they're in. Like, you would, the, you would think talking to me. You said that we're going to yeah, pretend they're in. Yeah, but we can't in. record the, the podcast. Well, we will be re- dated. <laughs> The point is, like, we have to go under the assumption that they probably will get in. I've been, like, I've been screaming this to, to media the, the last two weeks. People are just, like, well, no, even I'm, Mike Babcock the other day, like, you had all these news media come down to the morning skate. Yeah, And they were, like, funny. playoffs, playoffs, playoffs. And, and Babcock's, like, I'm only going to talk about Washington. I'm only going to talk about Washington. Yeah. Actually, maybe that will be, you know what, that is our Babsocks, Babcock. It was funny. The yeah, the, he was getting questions, like, what will making the playoffs mean to Toronto? And Babcock was, like, no. Okay, so you can hear that right now. Well, we got to get in the playoffs. So, so the first thing I'd say to you is that you, it's just like all things in life. Uh, you want your ups to be longer than your downs. You want to, if you work hard each and every day, you have a chance to maintain that and keep it going. Uh, momentum's a great thing. Uh, when things are going good in your life, uh, you're in a happy place and life's good. And you seem to have more energy and it's easier to work harder. And so that's a little different in hockey. Uh, what I'd say to you is, we got a big game against Washington today, and that's what we're focused on. How do you, how do you uh, prepare some of these young guys for what playoffs will mean to this city? Yeah, I don't. I don't worry about it. I don't even know what we're talking about. I think I've tried to go through this. Let me try it again here. We're getting ready for Washington today. That's what we're preparing for. That's it. I'm going to try this one more time. <laughs> okay, but three or four can try it another way. This is what I tell you today is we came in here today and we talked about we're playing a really good uh, team. Uh, they're at the top of the standings, and it's a great opportunity for us. We played a team that played back-to-back 
the other day and they weren't prepared to play at the start of the game and we jumped on them and we can't that, let that happen here today. Uh, we'll get our group focused on how we have to play to be successful and uh, we expect our first few shifts to be with energy and show one another we got prepared and we're ready to go. Well, coach, I just want to try a different time. I just spoke to a group of students, 14-year-old students, who say they have virtually no Maple Leaf playoff memories. Uh, so can you... Uh, I don't either. <laughs> so what? Can you appreciate their anticipation of these kids that have grown up with, with none of this? That, that could be possible. Yeah, for sure. I, I just think that uh, my job unlike many of your jobs, is to just worry about what we're doing here today. Okay, so he's doing the right thing. Like, he's trying to keep his team focused he, on well, the Well, I mean, from his perspective. I just mean, like, our perspective. Like, people keep saying I'm jinxing it and stuff. It's like, I can't jinx the Leafs. All I'm saying is that they're very, very, very likely to get in. That's not a jinx. And that's, what I'm saying that's is... That's literally true. Like what Brian Boyle said, until you have the X next to your name, you're not in. Like, yeah, it's, it's extremely know, like like. We're like analyzing the game a little bit more granularly than than those guys. Like we don't have to say that. We don't have to say they're not in yet. Well, it's like, well, everyone knows they're not in. We can say they're at a ninety eight percent chance, and they need like I think if they get one point in these last three games, it's over. Right. Because well, well, and other I mean, stuff has to happen, like with the Islanders and Tampa and and Ottawa. Even like Ottawa is not certain, but the. I feel like we're going in circles because I started off this podcast saying, like, I, I'm pretty sure they're going to be in, so let's talk about it. And you're like, no, no, no. I'm just saying it would be easier oh, to do the podcast if they had clinched and then. Yeah, you wanted but, to do this on Friday, and I said, Friday, like, we, we're just going to keep probably going to be so busy. And yeah. Like, the Leafs are going to be practicing. I have to start doing my awards picks for next week, so. Oh. We haven't even gotten the ballot yet. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that's true. I don't know who I'm. I, I think hate I, that awards ballot. Like, I like being able to do it, but I hate it because it takes, like... Okay, so we'll get to that, but, like, Matthews... It takes, like, six hours and when you don't have six hours. Yeah, well, if you're going to do it well. I you're don't like think book, most people take hotels six hours. And flights and, the one that's going to take some time is Selkie. I think, yeah. The, the rest I, I wonder what, and, and what about the... Yeah, I was Norris, the Norris and Selkie will I take some time. So the uh, writers but, don't vote on everything, just so people know. We vote on five major awards. Uh, Selkie, Calder, Hart, Norris... Uh, Calder. No, I said that. Already. You said that. <laughs> There's five. Calder, Lady Bing, Lady yeah, Bing. Lady Bing, which yeah. is a stupid. Okay, award. maybe that's not a major one. I don't count that one. But we vote on five awards, and we vote on the end of year All Star teams and the All Rookie team, which is I'm just going to put a whole bunch of leaves. Well, so I've narrowed. Like I know I'm going to vote McDavid for <laughs> MVP. I'm going to vote Matthews for Calder, and everything else I got to figure out. We, so we don't vote on the Vesna, we don't vote on Jack Adams. Yeah, but for my awards column, I'm just going to vote on those things. Yeah. I don't care. I should do an awards thing, too. Yeah, you should. But anyway, let's start with the playoffs. So before we actually, get, in, before we actually get into like... People didn't like that last week. No? Yeah. People were debating why I was doing that. I did it because I thought it was funny. I think it's funny. People were people were saying that we didn't trust the level of our an- analysis or something. Or, what the hell does that mean? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> so before we talk about like who the matchups might be and like how that would, which would benefit or disadvantage the Leafs, I'm going to be writing a preview as you probably will for the Leafs playoffs, assuming they get in, and I think I'm going to write about experience and because it's going to be a big thing like that the fact that so many of these guys haven't played in the playoffs how much or why do you think that matters like do you think experience matters in the playoffs that's going to be my central question do you think it does well we've seen some really young teams without a lot of veterans play well in the playoffs like we've seen teams that haven't had a ton of experience win Mm -hmm. tampa being a recent example they didn't win but even like Chicago was a very young team, and yeah, they they the year before they went to the third round. I mean, I guess you can say that that like I kind of think this is the year that the Leafs get that experience, and then the following year that helps them maybe. Yeah, but but why? Like, what do we think matters in terms of like? I think pressure is a really big part of it. Yeah, maybe that's it. And like, a lot of these guys have played under pressure. Like Marner's played in Memorial Cup games, and mm-hmm. so that so why is it different? Is great, it because it's a bigger a stage? Question. Is it because it's in Toronto? I don't know. I think to some extent it's kind of like a one of those media cliches. That's what I'm wondering. Yeah. I think to some extent because, I mean, does it matter that Eric Fair has all those playoff games played? Like, right. And like the fact that James Van Riemsdyk's been to a Stanley Cup final, does that mean he's going to be less nervous than Austin Matthews in the playoff game? 
Probably not. Although, you know, when the Leafs played Boston, their best player right away was Van Riemsdyk. Like, he was, like, the only guy in Game 1, as I recall, that looked like, yeah. I'm okay with they this They were stage. terrible in Game 1. And he was fine. I remember watching that and writing, this series is going to be over in, like, four if they play like that. And then slowly they kind of figured right. things out a little bit. Reimer was really good. But, like, I don't know. Maybe it does matter to some degree. I don't know. It's like in our jobs. Like, it matters when you've been to something before. Or, like, when you've covered a Stanley Cup final or you've covered an Olympics... <clears throat> It makes the second time you go and cover that more comfortable, no? I guess so. I don't know. I've only covered one Olympic, so I don't know if I'm going to get so another. I've only covered one, too. I don't know if I'm going to get another chance. It doesn't look like it. <laughs> well, I covered a Summer Olympics, so we'll see. You never know what will happen. So maybe, I don't know. I, like, I've just been trying to wonder, like, so how many guys on this team have been to the playoffs? So it's Van Riemsdyk, Bozak, Gardner, I Kadri. I did the whole list of how playoff games played career, and it, it's not very many. I it's mean, like eight guys, right? You, uh, Boyle and Fair were half of the playoff yeah, games right. played of the whole team. Uh, Polak was number one, I think, and Anderson's then JVR. Yeah. I can bring up the list if you want. You can sit in silence while I... Or well, you can talk. How long is it going to take you? Not long. Well, and so the, the overwhelming point then is that most of the lineup hasn't. Like, they're going to be dressing... However many rookies they're going to be dressing, those guys are going to be going through it first time, Toronto, big stage, first time the team will have made the playoffs in a full season since 2004. But, like, how experienced is Ottawa? I mean, I guess Boston and Washington, you can make Ottawa's been there a couple times. I don't, like, I don't no, even know. No, but the if guys it, on the team, I mean. No, it's true. I don't even know if it matters. Like, that's, I guess that's kind of the so central here's question. the whole list on, of the Leafs roster. Boyle is first at 100 playoff games played, Fair is second. Okay, so let me read 60. this. Okay, so after that, it's. Polak, 49, Van Riemsdyk, 46, Anderson, 28. Ben Smith's not going to play, so he doesn't count. Well, Boyle might be hurt. Okay, so Ben Smith, 27, Matt Martin, 24, Matt Hunwick, 20, and then a few guys. Everybody else has only played the seven games or less from you-know-when. Yeah. Um, I saw Eric Fair after the game. Have you seen him around since the injury? Yeah, I've seen him skating a little bit. His finger didn't look very good. I saw his finger. Oh, he was like talking to some of the Capitals great. guys after the game, and he had like all yeah. There's something screwed up with it. I think it was his middle finger, and it was like all heavily bandaged up. So I don't know if he's going to play for the Leafs. He had that one game. Well, if they don't have Boyle, that that hurts them because right. that fourth line becomes a sinkhole. Right. That's been. You look at the skaters, and that's been one of the biggest noticeable improvements. If you look at like the analytics and stuff like that, is the fourth line. Over this 15-game stretch where they've been so good, 11-3-1 or whatever it is in the 15 games. I was saying to to Dave Alter yesterday watching the Washington game, like imagine if the Leafs weren't that hot over the last 15 games, how dicey everything would be right now. Like imagine they were just like kind of okay. Well, They would be right there with Tampa and the Islanders right now. Well, it wasn't that long ago where they had gone through a stretch. I think they won 5 of 18 or something. Right. So they've been basically really, really, really hot, really cold, really hot. Right. Plus third of the season and the biggest reason seems to be anderson and the power play has been really good the power play has been like 33 percent and anderson's been like nine whatever 925 or whatever it is right and like well like look at people talk about john tortorella for the the jack adams no their goaltending was has been exceptional and for like the first half of the season their power play was out of its mind yeah those things matter they lead the nhl in teams we i think we talked about this already when we talked about the jack adams last week but a team that that leads the NHL in team save percentage, they can't win the Jack Adams. Their coach cannot. It's a new. It's a that's a Myrtle rule. Unfortunately for you, broadcasters mostly don't pay attention to. They don't listen to this. No, they keep mentioning the, they, the thing they that drives me crazy. Listening to broadcasts around the league is how much they bring up plus minus. Drives me crazy. Yeah. Well. Then why don't they think Jake Gardner's the best player on the Leafs roster? Because he, he's like plus 30 or something this year. He's their best player. Who and the funny thing is that, that during this run where the Leafs have won, they won 11 of 14, Jake Gardner's been playing as like the number... I know that's on our list to talk about. Jake Gardner's yeah. been playing as their number one defenseman in terms of ice time, in terms of matchups. And no one no one mentions it. It doesn't get talked about. No one, no one's like, oh, Jake, look how good Jake Gardner's been. No, no, no it's actually the opposite. No one will ever talk about it. I was on... Uh, they just killed him all the first half of the year. Oh, only Riley can take the tough matchups. They give the tough matchups to Gardner. They win a whole bunch of games. Nobody talks about it. I okay, We'll get into that. They, I did TSN Radio in the morning, and they asked me, like, who are their best defensemen in order between Riley, Zaitsev, Gardner? And I think I went Gardner, Riley, Zaitsev. Yeah. And I don't... 
Is that wrong? Like, do you, do you agree? I think that's probably right this season. I mean, I, I'm of the belief that Gardner and Riley are comparable. The, the, the big X factor thing is Riley is a few years younger. I think it's four years, yeah, yeah almost so four. A, so that matters. It's, it's a pretty big deal, yeah. So the leaders in plus-minus this season, Ryan Suter, Jared Spurgeon, Brooks Orpik, third best player in the NHL, Jason Zucker, Dmitry Orlov, David Savard, so blah, 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 blah. It's just completely random. What, what about the Leafs? Like, it's Gardner, right? I think I think Gardner's number one, and Riley's last, or, or Zaitsev is last. So, he, well. So it... I don't. Dude, plus minus is the worst. It, it was so funny when all those documents were coming out in the concussion case, and it was revealed that the NHL had had discussions about getting rid of plus minus. And Lou Lamorella was one of the people that like seemed to endorse it. And there were a whole bunch of GMs, and Bettman was talking about it. And like, should we get rid of plus minus? It was. I don't it's know. Stupid. It was really okay, funny. So and this was like ten years ago. Gardner is plus twenty five. Number two, Roman Polak at plus nine. And then at the bottom, 29th and 30th, minus 19 for Morgan Riley, minus 21 for Nikita Zaitsev. So there you go. Gardner's better than uh, Riley. We we just confirmed it using okay. yeah, the um, worst stat. Okay, so like, in terms of like their created. potential, there's, a, there's only three potential playoff matchups, right, for them? Yes. Is that right? Yes. So Washington, Ottawa, Boston. And they're almost, right now, as of today, before the Tampa game, they're almost identically chanced options like going into that washington game it was very heavily it was like 40 percent boston 40 percent ottawa and like 15 percent washington or whatever now it's like 30 for all three of them or 33 or whatever it is okay so what i want you to do is rank them in terms of if you were to if you were the leafs and you could pick your opponent ottawa first uh boston washington tied for 30th (laughs) i mean like that's what i would say too like yeah both of those teams uh, I would say Washington's probably, Washington's, Washington's tougher than for sure. Boston, yeah. But I like I think Boston's a really good team. I do too. And so, I think well, their so record is deceptive. Okay, so let's poor. go through bo- each of those. Um so against Ottawa, obviously their 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 skill, their speed gives them an advantage. What else kind of sticks out to you? You mean for the Leafs? Yeah. <sighs> Style of play I think favors the Leafs a little bit. I think the Senators are going to try and hang back. They're not going to have quite the same level of offensive firepower that the Leafs can throw at them. The Leafs are much better on the power play and in terms of goal production. Special uh, teams, generally, they're just better. Yeah, I think Ottawa's penalty kill is okay. It's right? okay. It's not yeah. as good as Toronto's. Yeah. Goaltending, I think, is is the one where you'd probably look at it and say Ottawa has a slight edge, but yeah. it's not like a massive Anderson's edge. had a really good year. I mean, he has a potential to the steal a series. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Anderson, not Anderson. <laughs> Anderson. Yeah. Yeah. Anderson. Craig. Craig has had a, had a really good year. Freddie's been okay, too. Yeah, Craig and Freddie. I, I heard they played recently a game where it was both the Andersons. Anderson and Anderson, and Joe Bowen was behind me in the booth. And he's like, this is going to be... How am I going to do this? I had to keep reminding myself when I was writing that, like <laughs> Anderson versus Anderson. Okay, so, let, so Boston. Boston's quick, pretty good skill, pretty good depth. Goaltending really is good fine. first line. Really, really good first line. Some of those young guys on defense are pretty good and don't get yeah. talked to like Carlo. Tori Krug's and, pretty good. Yeah, some of those guys. Brendan Carlo's good. I, I think Chara is, despite being a million years old, is still he's okay. Good. Rask has not had not a, a great, great year. year by his standards, but he has the ability to really steal a series. Does they just have that top end offensive ability? Mm-hmm. Well, and they've spread it out at points where they don't have Pasternak sometimes playing with Marchand and Bergeron, right? which makes them a little bit more dangerous. They still have David Krejci, who you can forget right. about. They've got some young guys who are pretty good. So they would be hard, they would be a tough matchup. Yeah, they have And a- especially with the history between the two teams. Like I I don't know if that would matter, but it would become part of the storyline. Oh, that would, would be, be the That would be all the whole story. Yeah. That would be, yeah. I kind of think you and I are going to be on a plane to Boston here. Think so? On Tuesday. That would be pricey for both our yeah. places of work. Because yeah, Boston know. hotels are not cheap. I, I know. I've been Holy looking. <laughs> it's like $400 is the cheapest hotel. Some of the ones I've stayed in before, yeah, are like 800 a night. And it's like, what yes. is going on? I guess like all of the colleges graduate right now. And they have like their, like Harvard and all those places have their receptions or something. I think the Boston Marathon sometime around now, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. that Yeah, I think Maybe. so. Maybe. And then there's going to be Celtics playoff games too, so that's going to be. Tricky. You and I should just get an Airbnb. And yeah, that's a good idea. We should just well, buy a house for the whole media. Yeah, maybe it'd be cheaper than spending what we're going to spend on hotels. Okay, so Washington's the other one. Um, Washington's just good everywhere. Yeah, 
But the Leafs, they didn't show it in the game on Tuesday night, but they have shown like an ability to play with Washington for some reason. I don't, yeah. I wouldn't expect, like if I was picking that series, I'd pick Washington in five. I might give them Maybe six. Maybe six. Yeah. But probably not. I guess they match up better against Boston, but I think both Boston's also the best possession team in the NHL, which yeah. makes me. But but Washington. But Boston's third. just not as good. Boston just doesn't have as much talent as yeah, Washington. Yeah, that's true. And Washington, I mean, Holtby's better than Rask. Washington added Shattenkirk to an already loaded team. Do you see that goal the other night? Like that was yeah. insane. Backstrom has had such a good year. Well, like, so I wanted. To, I, I've been wanting to ask you about that. I was trying to like pick out like Hart Trophy candidates. How come he never gets mentioned? Because because he's not the best player on his team. Because they have yeah. Well, because everyone thinks Ovechkin is but, the guy. But let me ask you this: If if Backstrom was Canadian, he was playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and he had whatever amount of points, second in he the league in the NHL in power play points. Okay, and he's like second to McDavid in assists, I think. Yeah. Wouldn't he be getting... Backstrom is one of those guys that's getting super underrated. He's like Patrick Elias or something. Like I don't he know. Just, like, Backstrom should probably... Is, is going to be a Hall of Famer. Like Wouldn't we be talking about him like Adam Oates? Yeah. If, like, why is it... I don't know why he never heritage? gets talked about. I don't get it. Well, it can't, it's not just heritage. What? I mean, Ovechkin's Russian. But it's like so apparent. Like, you can't... I think he's just overshadowed by Ovechkin. Okay, maybe that's it. Like if Ovechkin ever missed half a season and everyone and Backstrom still kept doing it, which I think he probably would. Well, who's the Capitals' best player? Oh man, Holtby. Yeah, maybe. Holtby then Backstrom. The funny thing is, like, you look at Grubauer's numbers; they're basically the same as. Yeah, Holtby's. but that just might mean Holtby's Grubauer's good. good. I, he probably is. Anyway, I, I I like Grubauer. I was talking to him about the Olympic stuff yesterday. It was really interesting. He was fired what did he up. Say? He was he was like I we spent like a big part of our summer like trying to qualify for this and it's like our dream to play there. Okay, so I know you don't really want to talk about this, but what did you make of the reaction that the players had? Just predictable? Yeah, did you, was it more fiery than you thought? It was a little bit more fiery than I thought. Yeah, but it makes sense. Like the guys that have played in the Olympics, they it's like the peak pinnacle of their career to play at the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Of course. Well, they Mike want Babcock to go. said, and he's been to two Cup finals. He says it's the greatest event I've been to in my life. Right. And for me, same thing. Yeah, it I went so to the. I did the. Went to the London Olympics and amazing. It's fun. Like it, I don't know what it is. I think we've talked about this on the podcast, but like. Put that on your bucket list if you're a sports fan. Go to an Olympics. I know some I don't people, know what are, it some is, people are skeptical about Well, I'm not an Olympic fan. Like I don't oh, watch the Olympics I'm if dire. I'm not there. I, I'm not at all. I'll watch all of it. But being there, it was like this there's this weird Watching energy. Like badminton like, at two yeah. in the morning and stuff. I stopped in and watched curling. I don't I've never watched curling in my life. Oh, curling's the best. I watched speed skating. Yeah. That was really cool. You never what? I've watched yeah. all that stuff. Well, forever. I don't. I don't like it. But being there it was like You don't like the Olympics else. because like it's like the I just Maybe maybe I should give it another chance, but there's so much going on during Summer Olympics. I watch baseball. I spend my whole summer watching baseball, oh, so I'm not going to flip over from baseball. Summer Olympics is like... To, I like Summer Olympics more than I think I like hockey, and I, you know how much I like hockey. I do, yeah. That's pretty... That's something. Okay, so let's let's keep moving. Um, I mentioned that I'm going to vote for Matthews for the Calder. I think it's over. I think it's over. Yeah. Nothing... He had this little run, and then... It, and this is exactly if, what we said would happen. He really had a dip there of about 10 games. It's like, whoa, I've never seen... I, haven't, I hadn't seen him play that poorly. That's the worst he has played in the NHL. But that, that happens. Yeah. Like, it does. go cold. But I was just thinking, if this continues... Because most of the year I had been saying, it's Matthews, hands down, and mm-hmm. he has a really big lead, but... I just think if he was that poor for the last twenty some games of the year, maybe we would have to have had reevaluate. But well, he's come back pretty strong. The other thing is, Lion A's cooled off, right? A lot. I almost think I don't know if you saw the piece we had on the Athletic. It said Wierenski should be number two, and that's I, not going to happen. Though. I know it's not going to happen. It's a fair contention. But if you read the numbers, like Wierenski has like forty three points, and like yeah, he's, he's been their number one D and, on a on a. One of the five best teams in the league. Yeah. I, if there's any Jets fans listening to this, they're going to hate it, but I kind of am leading towards Wierenski being number two. Okay, well, let me ask you this. Who's had a better rookie season between these three? Line A, Marner, and Nylander. Yeah, I know. That's like, is, it really, why, is it really that much different? That's why I wanted, ones? I asked Dom for the Athletic to do that piece because I said, make sure you like weigh in on like where like Nylander and Marner come into this equation. Because So when we vote on the Calder for people listening uh, the writers have to pick the top five, and then they get a point. It's a point system based on where you put them. So, you know, um, it'll be really interesting to see where. Hello. hello, hello, hello. Okay. So why is it down on a different spot? I'll just mix them. It's fine. So what were we saying? 
Sorry, someone knocked at James's door. <laughs> top five. We yeah, so, oh, okay, five. yeah, yeah. So we got to pick top five in the Calder voting. So I was just curious, like, how many votes... Who's the third nominee going to be? It should be Wierenski. It should it should be Matthews, Liney, Wierenski. I think yeah. it's going to be, but there's probably going to be some Toronto push for Nylander and Marner to get votes as well. I think and then Matthew Kachuk has had a really good year. Yeah, yes. Matt Murray for Pittsburgh is it? I think you can make the argument this is the best rookie class we've ever seen for sure. Yeah, like it goes deep. Like I Provorov in Philly is playing like twenty. Sebastian Aho. A game. He's playing. He has like twenty goals. Provorov, like his analytics are really impressive. What, like you watch him, he's really good. He's a number one D already. Yeah. Howard, like there's two teenage. Well, I guess Wierenski might be twenty, but like there's two rookies there. Which is really interesting that Toronto passed on both. Which like Marner is what he is. Like it looks like a great prospect, but it's interesting. Like when you zoom back right. as to what they if need. they had Wierenski right now, yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. Well, and you reported at the time that like the guy that Mike Babcock wanted was Hannafin, right? So, at least that was that was that was impression. part of the conversation. That yeah, Babcock I, Babcock's argument, from my understanding, was you don't win with wingers, you win with D. And I think he has right. a point. Yeah, yeah. Well, and we'll get into kind of the the conversation about Nikita's eight seven extension. Actually, right now, because I think we've settled that we've settled that that Matthews is going to win the Calder. He will be, assuming that he does, he'll be the first Leaf since Britt Selby in 1966. Right, and that was a good year. Was it was it? the year before the good year for the Leafs. Oh, right, okay. You know, the 60s were pretty good for the Leafs in general. I think they won like four cups or something, right? It's great. Yeah, they did. It's crazy how many records he's broken. He's literally had the best season at Pyro. I think it was Tyler Dello that said one thing that really stands out is how the Leafs haven't really had very good rookies. They haven't had very good players, generally. Yeah. Like, let's be honest. Like, And not only that, they haven't had good players that they've developed. Right. When was the last time they had a Hart Trophy winner? When was the last time they had a Norris Trophy winner? When was the last well, time they had a Well, their last Hart Trophy was in the 60s, right? It was yeah. Keon. It was like the, one of the first years, well, maybe not even the first year the Hart Trophy existed. It was the last time they won it. Right. They haven't, the only major individual award they've won, and I'm not counting, you know, like the Master the 10 BS or whatever. Awards, yeah. Like the re, the last one they won was uh, Gilmore won the Selkie in '93, I think. Right? I think that, that was. Right. Yeah. I think that was the last one. And and uh, did Burns get Coach of the Year that year? I think. They yeah, got, I think he did. I think they got Coach of the Year and, and the Selkie. But well, and the, and the thing is, like, they haven't really even had <coughs> contenders. Like Matt Sundin was. Fantastic, but yeah. he was never like conversation to win a heart, was he? I don't remember that he was. Uh, yeah. Let's see. I, how, I think he finished top five in voting, maybe one year. Okay, I can find Hockey that. Reference has that. Yeah, I can but find that very. I remember actually looking at that because I mean, Sunday's been the best player they've had in the last few decades, right? And he was like a top fifteen player. So the highest he ever finished for the heart was eighth. Okay, and that was in two thousand two, two thousand three. He had forty one goals and eighty points. Not that the hard voting is the be all and end all, but and they haven't had like a D who come cl- comes close. Maybe no. Salming back in the day was right. was up there. Goaltender, it's a franchise they have not had very good defense. And no, like, goaltender like the... Curtis Joseph maybe at Belfour. Right, Belfour had a couple of really good years. Yeah, yeah. So that will be significant for them to win that award. Yeah. And maybe Babcock, we talked about it last week, Babcock winning the I think his Adams. case is growing. I mean, if the Leafs finish with like 98, 99 points, I don't think he's going to win. He's not going to win. Tortorella will win. Yeah. I think. People, I don't know, people don't like Tortorella, and that seems to have an impact on who Well, wins. who votes on that one? The broadcasters? Yeah. So who do they like? Quenville? Sullivan? Do the broadcasters vote on both of those awards? Is it the GMs who votes on Jack Adams? The GMs vote on the Vezna. Oh, that's a disaster. <laughs> I don't know why it's like that. It's yeah. There are weird Vesna votes. You're supposed to talk while I look this up. All right, forget it. We're not going to look this up. We're not doing this again. Let's talk about Nikita Zaitsev, um, Bob McKenzie, Chris Johnson, bunch of people. I think your site too. You maybe. I don't know. Everyone has that. They're nearing nearing a deal for a seven year extension. When you and I saw this, I think we probably had a similar. Reaction, which was what? Surprise. Yeah. I think what's happened is the only way they can get Zaitsev's number down per year is by giving more years. But they're not really getting it down. No. Well. Unless unless they think he's going to be that much better than four and a half, which I don't know what 
gives them that impression. Well, they, this is the thing. They must feel guaranteed he's going to be a top four defenseman. The only seven years? Well, I don't know about that. But, I mean, I guess the only saving grace is that if they ever want to put him on Roby Island or whatever, he's just like, okay, and goes back to Russia and makes a lot of money. In theory. But, but so, the thing, the word that sticks out to me is, like, it's unnecessary. Why not just go... Why not just go three or why not just go four or why not like even five seems a lot but like why I don't understand I guess they're why very confident that he can be a four a number four D yeah that's fine like he can be but like do you lock up number four D's for seven years I don't I just don't, I don't really I just get don't it. really get it and we're never gonna get like a proper explanation the other thing is like I, I wonder how much of this is Lou I wonder how much of this is the other side like I don't know where I'd be this really fascinated to know what the analytics team thinks of Zaitsev because like I've his analytics are kind of all over the place. Like some of the newer stuff, I don't know if you've seen it, where like they analyze like the way they break the puck out, and like he's like he's not that good at some of those things. He doesn't score that well in there, hmm. and I don't know if that's some of that stuff is like really small sample size because they haven't they haven't tracked every game for for how they break out of their zone and all that stuff. But he really didn't look that impressive by those numbers. And you watch him, and like yeah, he looks like a top four D in the NHL, but. Yeah probably closer to second pair well and he has he has a lot of points but you look even into those points there's not a ton of like first assists in there i think a lot of that is he's on the power play he's on their first power play the power play scores a bunch he is good at like getting pucks on the net he's tough he skates well he's like you know he does a lot of things well but i don't know it just was bizarre that they would do that yeah I don't know. What, what, what I, do you, I think the problem is the negotiations have been really hard. Well, because he'll just leave. That's my sense. But does that mean, like, if a guy's just going to say he'll leave if you don't give him this, then you just say, see you later. I guess that creates another hole in your defense, and you already Especially have Especially at right defense, too, where they already need a guy. I mean, if we, we've been talking about what they should pay Zaitsev, and we were saying, like, three years. I was saying, like, three years, 3.8 or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, would be, I would be totally fine with that. Because you want to see what he is a little bit more than what we've got. Right, and he'll be 26 in in October. Like he's not yeah. super young. He's not. You, I think you mentioned it last week. This is probably what he is. Right. He'll probably get better to some degree, but yeah, it's and just that's, like that's why like a four or five year deal makes a lot of sense. But they probably would want the agent and Zaitsev side is probably going to ask for more money for those years. Yeah. The other option is you could give him. I bet you could get him on a two year deal. Takes him right to UFA because he's got two years left. Mm-hmm. I guess the Leafs are betting on that in UFA in two years he's going to get more than four and a half. I like a lot more. I don't know if that's true or I not. I don't know if that's like how much more is he going to get. Yeah, but that's probably what they're banking on that they're like they're buying those well, UFA it's, years. It's like with Gardner. Like they if could you're go hardball. A bargain. They could go hardball. Yeah, they could go hardball route with Zaitsev and take him to arbitration, and but he might just go back to Russia. I mean, if if arbitration gives him two point eight or something. Yeah, I just don't get like how. I understand if they think he's going to be better and eventually this will become a bargain, but I just don't know how he gets to a level where it becomes a bargain. If if salaries go up a lot, but, but it doesn't really don't feel see like that, that happening. Yeah. So. I yeah no it's it's like with a lot of decisions in the Leafs front office, like the Anderson one too. You wonder, is it just all old school mentality that's deciding these things? He's playing a lot of minutes, playing twenty two minutes a night, right? And we don't think he's bad. We just, no, I like I'm not 100% like sure what he, how good he is. Right. I don't know if he's a 3 or 4 or a 5. And if you don't know that, you probably shouldn't sign a guy Can for he be seven a two? years. Probably. I don't think so. Well, he's playing as a 2 right now. I know he is, but like on a team that needs to improve in that, at that's that position. Point. And that's, like, that's one important element of, the, of this. It, it happens in basketball sometimes where a guy scores 20 points a game on a shitty team. And then he gets paid, and then he's not actually that good. Like, he's putting up numbers on a bad team. I don't know if there's some element to that with the Leafs, that he's playing above what he probably should be. Like, if they get a number one D, he's And then he's not on the power play, and then he's... Right. Yeah. And then he's playing 19 minutes a game, and then he's going to have 24 points, 25 points. The other... Like, anytime you sign a guy to a deal, like, is it tradable? Like, if they wanted to trade Gardner or Kadri or the other guys that they've signed long-term or JVR or whatever, it'd be be really easy. All those are tradable. They'd be... They'd be yeah. That's what's part of the problem with getting Anderson. It's like, well, if he struggles, you're not going to be able to move that deal. Like, no. you're stuck with him. It's, and that's still, like, have struggles, And that. he's got six more years or whatever. He's got seven years on the deal. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It'd be hard to move him. What would happen if he just left? Well, they would need to bring in at least two more defenses. No, but, like, what would happen to the contract? 
Does it stay? Yeah, he would be an RFA still. No, but like, let's say they signed the contract and then he wasn't good and he just left. Does it come off the cap? Yeah. Okay. If he just, yeah, like Radulov, right? All right. When Radulov disappeared. And then he came back. Now he's back. And everyone loves him and he's changed and he's had a good year. Yeah. He is he, a good... He became a father and that changed his life is the story I heard. I've heard that from like a lot of people. Actually, I just talked about to... Radulov or like no, humans? No, humans. Yeah. Humans. I just talked to Jonathan Bernier for a story I'm working on. Yeah. And one of the things he, he said was... Like, he wonders how it would have been different for him if he had come to Toronto when he was a little bit older. Like, he has a kid now, he's married. Right. More experience, His more kid mature. was born when he was struggling in Toronto, right? And I think right around that time, yeah. I wonder, because, like, I went through it. Like, if you have a kid and you're not sleeping and your home life's all crazy and whatever, it's like, maybe it's a lot harder for these guys when all of a sudden that happens. Well, and I'm sure it just changed. Like, I mean, they have me. a lot of I money. I don't have a kid, but, like, you can tell me. It, I'm sure it changes your priorities, changes the way you oh, see the world. Yeah, for sure. So. Yeah. All of a sudden, the Babsox Leaf Report podcast doesn't seem as big a deal. Right. And the, the podcast is brought to you by Babsox. <laughs> Even though to, this podcast is a big deal. But. I came to James's house and knocked on the door, and I saw him in the window sitting on his couch with his Babsox. Anyway. Um, I just wear, else, I wear them for the show. Is there anything else you want to say about Zaitsev that we haven't touched on? Like, that would give them basic... So that would mean they're, they'd have 3D making about 4 to 5. Which is... Riley Zaitsev Gardner. If you can can they be three of your team, top four? They're going to have to be with what they're making, right? Right. You don't want one of those guys making that. But if the Leafs can be a contender with that being three of their top four D, they're not really spending too much on D at all. Like if, if those guys are good enough. I mean, that's the, the, the positive is that if they can add a, another really good defenseman and that's your top four, that's pretty decent. And then you just mix in some low cost options on the, like Carrick and so that makes sense. Travis Dermott or. Yep. It does make some sense. It's just like who that who that guy is. Like I think if this was four years at four million or five years at four million, I would be, I, we wouldn't be arguing about it. I just I I don't like seven years. I don't right. like seven years for almost anyone. Right. I don't like long term like deals. I just think there's too much risk. Except if it's like Matthews or Marner or McDavid or whoever. So. Yeah. Um, what does this say? I can't even read my writing. Oh, yeah, I wanted to ask you this question. Let's see, let's Do you think they should this I'm sure this will not happen, so let me preface with that. Do you think they should use Matt Martin in the playoffs? No. Do you think they Well, against Boston I could see using him. Against like a team with like a okay. tougher team I would well, use. Well, so him. let's say they play Ottawa. No, I don't I don't know. I mean, it just I think you got to take the temperature of the series. Like the Matt Martin could be useful potentially, but I would th- I lean towards the Leafs just going and outskilling other teams. That's what I would do. I don't. They won't do it. Like let's be let's be honest. That Mike Babcock's not going to take them out. But I think they would be a better team if they had a. Let's say their fourth line was Levo, Boyle, Soshnikov, or Kapanen replacing Levo. Whatever. Right. They would be a better line. It's interesting how much the rookies like Matt Martin. Like he's become their big brother or their goofy uncle or he whatever. He fills a role. Like I get why I I get it. To, I don't, it's just too bad he's not a little bit better. Yeah. Like, I don't have a problem with big, tough guys that play hard. Like, you know, Lucic sure. in his prime. or And you just don't need to sign them before your contract. Right. Like, how many points does he have? Oh, does he, he has like guess? seven, I think. He has, has not been a... He has been not very productive. He has five goals and nine points in 79 games. Yeah. That's not very good. No, it's, it's very, very, very low. He's. I thought he was going to be better than he's been. I thought it would be... There was a lot of talk with how good that Islanders fourth line was and... He's he's also he's also playing less than he did in the past. Right like in New York, he was playing like twelve minutes he a game. Can't, he doesn't really fit very well into their system. He, it's been better with Boyle there because then all of a sudden it's, that line has more of an identity and it's mm-hmm. and he's better. Yeah, it's going to be interesting next year to see what happens with Matt Martin because I, I think he will play less and less as they get better and better and better. Yeah, they're not going to be able to like they're just going to have too many players. Well, except Aren't they. Well, I don't know if they lose Bozak and JVR. All of a sudden, there's a whole bunch of spots open up front. And, yeah, but I. It's I, unfortunate. I, like they have guys with the Marlies or, or Kapanen or whoever who should be playing. Like it, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. So and I, they could have a really good fourth line if it was yeah. if it was Leipzig or Kapanen or Sashnikov. Right. Like they could have like an actual good fourth line. Right, and then that like in a playoff series where the margins are so thin, like you know maybe they get a goal from that line that decides the series. Whereas mm-hmm. like. 
It just doesn't feel like they're going to get that from the way the fourth line well, is Well, look at all the teams that go deep. Like, when Chicago was winning cups, they had fourth lines that actually gave them the odd goal. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh last year. Colin, really, right. and so. Yeah. Anyway. I can't remember who the third guy was. Colin, Kunakle, and Fair sometimes. That's right. Fair was on there quite a bit, yeah. Maybe it was him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Are we done? No, we have one more thing. Oh, I wanted okay. to ask you about something I wrote about. So the Leafs... I read it. Okay, so the Leafs have all these, basically these rules for protecting their rookies. Uh, they're not allowed to do, like, in-game interviews. They're not promoted. They're not on banners, billboards. They're not... They just do all these little things to try to protect the rookies and also prop up the veterans. Do you think any of this matters? Do you think it's crazy? Do you think it's archaic? Like It might matter to, like... It is a bit archaic. It is definitely from a different era. It might matter to like someone that can't handle it, but the one there was one quote at the top of your story that stood out, and it was something like, "We want them to earn it or whatever." Yeah. It's like how has Matthews not earned more attention and all that? Like I think he means obviously he has earned. He it. means earn it over the long term. Yeah, he means like they want you to do it over and over, and just because you're the flashy new thing now. I don't think Austin Matthews cares about any of that crap. I really don't. Like, I don't think that's going to go to his head and he's going to play the printer. Like, his... Well, it, it seems the like argument his is, goals are, like... His goals in the NHL are so high that... Yeah, to be probably the best player in the league. Yeah, he wants to be... Right. He wants to be the next Crosby. Like, he really does. So, yeah. is putting his face on a billboard going to change anything? Is he going to walk in and see that? I don't think... I think he would see that and it wouldn't do it. I mean, like, if you or I saw that, it would be like, holy cow, like, what? what's going on? And... The Leaf Report has really taken off. It's, it's a big deal right now. But I don't know. I just These guys are just wired different than maybe some of these guys. I don't know. I'm just, like, shocked on a couple levels. One, they're owned by Bell and Rogers. Right. They own the team. They don't let, like, the best class of rookies, probably the team will ever see, forget about that they have seen, they're not allowed to interview them during a game. Like, to me, that is just, like, I can't believe that... That just shows you how much power, to some degree, Brendan Shanahan well, it's has. Good, it's people... good, though, that the media companies don't have power over the team. Agreed. It's really I'm just good. surprised that they... And, and and it's Shanahan selling a plan that says, basically, forget about what happens short term. The idea is being a cup contender. Plus, yeah. like, do they really need the rookies to sell the team? Like, to, like, be on... Well, like... but, like, in terms of, like, money and, and financial stuff, like, you're... Sh- if you were promoting the fact that you had all these rookies and trying to sell their jerseys and everything like that, you're going to make more money, aren't you? Well, Matthews is already the best-selling jersey, so that's I, the funny thing. They sold like 700 in the first day, or that's whatever. The funny. Like, I just thought it like it, the idea for the story that I wrote came from like when they started advertising those Centennial Classic sweaters, and their official marketing campaign was Hunwick, Komarov, Bozak, and Riley. Yeah. And I was just thinking like they have who's going to buy a Hunwick jersey? So. No offense, Matt Hunwick. It's just a very it's, nice man. It just shows like the effect that Lamorello has as well that this can go. So anyway, I just figured I'd It'd be I it would be so interesting to be a fly on the wall to know how much impact he has on anything. the hockey decisions. I get the sense that Mark Hunter's pretty powerful too. Oh, he's very important. But like he has a lot of say in things like like a Zaitsev contract. Don't you think? Like he's I not just he's not I just no a idea. well, I mean I get that I just get that impression. I would think he should be. Yeah. And I think that's good. I think... I don't know. It's like we're... Well, how much... How we're much guessing. We're around the team every day. We never see these people. They're not there. You know. How we, much impression do you think Dubis and the Illinois team have? Uh, for everything I hear, it's not very much. So. Like, they're, like, consulted and then... That's the thing. Like, a lot of... The problem... The tough thing for, like, these analytics departments is they're coming into a culture where not only are managers like Lamorello not only don't they really know a lot of them are skeptical yeah and so it's like it's it would and be they're not really used hard. to using it to make decisions they're, right they're used to using the methods that they've always had before right and what happened in baseball and, and even in basketball now to some degree is like now you're getting those people being hired into the GM roles right. which is gonna happen but it's just gonna it's it, in hockey it might take another eight to ten years that long eh? yeah I think it's it. really slow 
But you're yeah. starting to see. I find it really interesting to talk to GMs like Ron Francis with Carolina and like how much they buy into it. Or like I'm sure Steve Eiserman's using it in Tampa. Mm-hmm. I know I just named two teams that probably aren't going to make the playoffs, but Stan Bowman would be using it in Chicago and Pittsburgh is really into it. I mean, there's an example of an old, old school GM in Jim Rutherford who's way into analytics and he has been for a long time. Like he's he really likes it. Well, isn't their number two guy there? Botterill. But they have a whole, like, Dan McKinnon is big into analytics. They, they've been using a couple different companies for years in Pittsburgh. When I wrote, I wrote a story called Money Puck for uh, the Globe, I think it was 2011, maybe, 2012. And it was, a lot of it was about the Penguins and how they used, they used analytics to acquire uh, James Neal. So it goes back that far. And they were looking at um, where, like, shot locations and shot types and all kinds of, like, they've, they've been looking at, Really interesting stuff for quite a while. I would love if that stuff was just like available from the league. Yeah, the NBA has gotten really good with putting that. It'll stuff get. Out. I think the problem in hockey is that it's a bunch of old dudes tracking stuff badly up in the press box. Like it needs to be like you a, should tell people who because we sit in the press box, so people probably wouldn't know. Tell them how guys with pieces of scrap paper running around with their glasses askew, screaming, trying to figure it out. Twenty-two just went on the ice. Twenty-two for Toronto. Shot, shot, shot. Thirty-seven. Yeah. It's not it's crazy that professional. I mean, in the, in, the, in the defense of those guys, it's, um, it's a hard job. It's I a very difficult it. sport to measure that way, sure. and that's why they need to get the tracking tags on the puck and the sticks and the players and all. Like at some point, it's going to be computerized, and they're going to have like images of the full player. It's going to be computerized where the puck is, and they'll be able to measure all of that. Well, stuff. how do you think that will change? Like in terms of oh, because I still think it's the way, so much. but but. I still think to some degree the way that we measure puck possession will matter. Like it's still like if you had individual numbers for how much a player tracked the puck, what impact do you think that no, would no, have? No, 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 but but all of a sudden you're gonna be measuring more than just possession. Yeah. You're gonna be measuring like I think you're gonna be looking at entries and who's the best like. passer in the NHL. Who who How pa- do you measure that? Who well, if you have it computerized and you have every little thing, like how what millimeter the puck moves, who has the puck and passes it to the extent that it moves the fastest into the offensive zone who has the best passes within the offensive zone to keep possession of the puck like you know what i mean like how well like when a guy's on the ice to what extent are they controlling i think passing could be really well really and even you know what would be interesting to track like when we talk about riley and how and what he's good at one thing he's really good at is he takes the skating. puck from his own zone he skates it out and he can skate it right into the offensive zone there's nothing did you see that breakdown this week um about it was like they broke every player into like different styles of play and there was like yeah, a, yeah it was i retweeted it yesterday uh it's part of the passing project his name's ryan stimson he's I think, I think he's in new jersey it's really interesting but they took the leafs lineup uh, dom did this and tweeted out and he took the leafs lineup and he put everybody in a different category. And it was so interesting to see. I wish I had it to show you in front of me. But basically put a label on all the different players. And so Hyman was labeled as uh, dependent. As in that he's dependent on other players to create. Uh, Matthews was listed as a shooter, uh, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Nylander was listed as, a, I think, all-around or a playmaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was interesting just like how they were all broken down. Do you remember what Riley was listed Yeah, right. Uh, so Riley was listed as a shooter. But huh. apparently he, because he, I guess he just he generates a lot of shots. Like yeah. he's he's very high on he's first on the Leafs D, and he's very high ranked league wide. I think he's 170 shots on goal or something yeah. like that, which is a lot for a defenseman. So it was just interesting that what they're trying to do is look at how complementary lines and complementary five man combos can be created by having different mm-hmm. types of players. Like you don't want to just have this is something Mike Babcock talks a lot a lot about. You don't want to have five shooters out there together, or you don't want to have five yeah. dependent players, or you don't want to. It's anyway. You need to mix and match. Kind and the of. the interesting thing I noted too is that they had a category for all around D, and the Leafs didn't have one. They didn't have a guy that that fit that category. Well, who's their best all around D? Gardner? I don't. Gardner was listed, I think, as playmaker. I think. It's in, it was really interesting. Like they're they're basing it off of a relatively small sample size of this Stimson guy has like counted like a whole bunch of games. Well, they literally don't. It's, it's a passing project, is what it's. What I think what it's called. Okay. Well, people can go look that up. I was going to say they don't have someone who plays in every situation, but Zaitsev, penalty kill, power play. Yeah, I think Zaitsev was listed as defensive, huh, yeah. like not a big creator. He's not. Well, like he has a lot of points, but he's not. Right. So. 
But anyway, like that's kind of where analytics is going to go. It's going to be like categorizing different players and like evaluating what they do well, not just measuring possession, but how do they get possession and like which ways of getting possession are more important. There's been a lot more talk about like, have you seen expected goals? Have you looked at yeah. that stuff a little bit? Like that's expected goals is really interesting to me because Matthews is first in the NHL and he has been right since his first like 10 games. He, his expected goals at even strength has been insane. And if you watch Matthews a lot, you can see why that is because he's getting the puck all of the time right in, in the slot, right in front of the net and shooting. He's got a great shot. Mm-hmm. So his expected goals is like crazy. I think he's first and McDavid is second. So it's just interesting that a, a new stat like that really pushes the real talent up to the front on a list a lot faster than some of the other stats. I just need that stat to be official from the league. Why? Because it's like it's hard for me at the Canadian Press to A, explain that, and B, to have like official but stats. But the official stats of the league are shit. Yeah. I know, but like... <laughs> like I don't use the possession and stuff at the, the league. I can't trust I don't that. that. I, I don't I use can, that either. I can trust Corsica Hockey and Natural Stat Trick and... I can trust those sites way more than I can trust the NHL.com ones. Don't use the for NHL analytics. for yeah. analytics, yeah. So. But it's just, I, I guess what I'm saying is that, like, I, I look, think of expected, I, what I do now is I don't just look at Corsi anymore. I look at, like, a variety of a bunch of different stats and see where players rank because I think it gives more of an all-around picture. And there's no exact science to it, but you just have to, you kind of have to look at all of the stats. And if someone ranks good in all of them, then it's, and I don't know. I just well, do you know what's funny? In basketball, and it makes more sense in basketball, more and more they use plus minus. And, like, they, they use it to the degree of X team is plus whatever when so-and-so is on the court and minus when so-and-so is off. Right. And it kind of gives you – because there's so many possessions, right. it gives you an idea of, like, who Well, the is difference – basketball is the highest scoring sport that there is. Which is why so. plus minus makes sense to some degree. Like in basketball, how many baskets are there a game? Well, teams are scoring one thirty now. Sometimes, I was watching a game last night. It was one. It was Denver and who was Denver playing? New Orleans. So it was like one thirty-one to one twenty-seven. Roughly equivalent to how many shot attempts there are in an NHL game, right? Is how many baskets there are. Well, there's probably like fifty, sixty per team, right? Yeah, that's the same with shot attempts too, right? It's pretty close to there. So that's why we're using Corsi, even though there's just no goalie in basketball. That's, it makes that's it, the difference. There's right? no goal. That's exactly so it, makes the point. It, it makes it easier to... Like, yeah. that's part of what makes the analytics easier to measure. Yeah. yeah. The damn goalies complicate the whole thing. Yeah. And they, even they're hard to kind of figure out. Is there you, anything else you want to... You swore a lot on this podcast. Twice. Okay. You're, Are we allowed to swore? Bab socks? Will you guys mind? Are we allowed Sorry. to swore? Oh, those guys. Those guys won't care. They probably like it. They were bugging me last week. They're like, where's the podcast? I want to listen to it today. It's like, oh. That's why we have to get it done sooner. Okay. One problem is we're not consistent when we record Well, it's done now. It's 3.25 on Wednesday afternoon. Is there anything else you want to say? Playoffs. And that will do it. Thanks. What's that? Uh, Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? Thanks for tuning in to the Leaf Report. Follow the guys on Twitter at Jonas Siegel and at Myrtle.